I would like to recognise the traditional custodians of the land on which I am privileged to be recording this vodcast today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and I would like to recognise their elders past, present and emerging. Hello everybody and welcome back to The Growth Distillery. I'm your host Dan Krigstein. On this episode, I'm talking to Nick Ingate, founder of Sabbatical Travel and former partner at brand consultancy The Projects. Nick and I talk about everything from experience and community and the role that they play in the brand marketer's toolkit to why the business of being well is now everyone's business. Now, let's get into it. Nick Ingate, welcome to the show. Dan. Thank you for coming. So today we are here to talk about the business of being well. Mm. Um, And I think that you've got an incredible story to tell in this space. Um, In preparation for for this conversation, I I had a a look back over your career and I think where I'd love to start today is experience and the role of experience in the brand marketer's toolkit because mm. I think that's that's a good starting point for us to then jump off into being well. Yeah. Um, you know, if I look back over your career, your career has spanned a number of really, really interesting facets uh, that orbit the power of experience right. in the brand marketer's toolkit. Was that, you know, serendipitous opportunity? You yep. know, you jumping from role to role, you know, from the projects all the way through to high snobiety and then mm-hmm. now into sabbatical travel, or um, is that something that you've actively pursued? Yeah, love it. Well, thanks for having me here today. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, that journey that you speak of starts um, around 2010, starts in, in California, where marketing dollars were coming from above the line and going to below the line. So it used to be called events and then it started moving towards this this notion of, of experiential marketing. And we were eating away at the above the line dollars and bringing them to the below the line. Mm-hmm. And the experience economy was born. And what a better, what a better place to do that than Los, Los Angeles, Angeles yeah. and, and then New York and then yeah. London uh, and, and, and Sydney. So that's kind of where the journey started. And And Talk me through, I'd love to understand the magic behind the activation. Why, like, why was there that transition towards experiential marketing? Um, we would always start with the brief. So very similar to, you know, above the line campaigns, the brief would come through and it was around connecting with an audience. So we would often sit on the brand side of where the marketing dollars would go. Um, obviously, you know, performance marketing and sales marketing important, but yeah. we were on that the, the warm and fuzzy end of where the dollars would go <laughs> yeah. uh, around building experience. Because as we know, like if you walk into a space and there's a, 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 an event designed for you, your five senses are activated. Mm. And what you get from that are these meaningful moments that mm. you share, that you experience with your friends, your peers, your loved ones. And it's all around brands connecting with, uh, with their audiences on a deeper level. It's funny you say that because we, we had um, Ricky Pierce on uh, – last episode talking about, you know, particularly at the moment, this the power of shared experience. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so, so y- you know, the career starts working on, you know, these amazing brand activations um, and then, you know, moves into, you know, the world of, um, you know, high snobiety, right, you mm-hmm. know, ultra high net worth youth. 
youth, right? uh, which I think is similarly in this space of creating experience, I mean, albeit through publication. Right. Um, yeah. So after a decade of um, working in the luxury lifestyle space, we moved into High Snobiety yeah. and they are a um, Gen Z youth publication. And they were on a bit of a journey going from a publisher in the traditional sense, moving into High Snobiety as brand. Mm. And High Snobiety as a brand had more um, responsibility to, to build experience, to build community and to change the thinking from eyeballs to, to customers. Mm. So I was really part of that journey to help open their, their business in Australia mm. and open up APAC. And you're right, like that Gen Z, how they think about luxury and what new luxury is to them is completely different to perhaps how you and I think mm. about it and, and baby boomers. You know, we'll, we'll, I'd love to double click on that uh on that juxtaposition of luxury um, across the age spectrum in a second. But before yeah. we do, I'd love to get your philosophy or at least your perspective on, particularly now yeah. with where we are at 2023, why should experience matter and matter in a big way if you're a brand marketer trying to engage and talk to audiences right. authentically? Um, Post-pandemic, uh, we're all coming out of Zoom of death <laughs> and we death. have lost the will put on pause the ability to connect with our peers. So coming out of that and being in 2023, the importance of regaining connection with, with each other mm. is super important. So if a brand, luxury brand or any brand can create experiences that speak to me and meet me where I'm at, and I can have that shared lived experience with other people, mm. it's, it taps into a sense of belonging, it taps into a sense of community and you know, it all ladders up to mm. where um, these brands, uh, what their value proposition are into my life. And the brands that do it really, really, really well, um, they're almost religious. Mm. They have cult-like status. They have iconography. They have moments that we all share and participate in those particular communities and those experiences. So now more than ever, if you're not thinking about experience and brand experience, mm. uh, you're asleep at the wheel. I love that concept of... of brand religion, mm. right? Because fundamentally brands are in the business of finding people who believe what they believe. Totally. And I think if you are a brand that ascends to this status of religion, yep. you've flipped the script. Completely. What you've then got is you've got people who believe that they believe what your brand believes. Correct. Um, and I think that that's an incredibly And there's a, play, there's a playbook. There's, there's icons, there's the crosses, there's the leaders, mm. there are the rituals that we do to participate in that brand narrative and that brand story. Um, so, yeah, the ones who do it really, really well, there's just, just there's a playbook that, mm. that the religious groups do as well. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a sobering analogy, right, you know, how similar it is mm -hmm. um, but how effective it can be mm -hmm. in the brand marketer's toolkit. Um, all right, so you mentioned luxury and I'd love to get your take. This is clearly a space that, you know, you've, you've got a real depth of experience in. Um, talk to me about new luxury redefined. Mm. I know that this is a space that you've published in. Right. So we did a lot, we did a lot of research with our Boston Consulting Group around Gen Z audience insights and understanding what new luxury means to them. Um, and it's, it's widely different. You know, an obvious flex of perhaps baby boomers and maybe our generation would, would be the Rolex. Mm. It would be the possession of the Rolex and what that communicated to the outside world. Now, the, a new luxury code is, is knowledge. So it's perhaps not that Rolex watch. It is the Swatch Bape collaboration that only gets released on this particular date at, at this particular time at shop. So that knowledge is a new luxury code. Community 
another luxury code. So it's this, instead of being exclusive, it's about being inclusive. So there's all these little transitions going from old luxury to new luxury that Gen Z are just uh, are leading the charge. Mm, I like that. And, and one area that I'm fascinated by um, in terms of this transition is the shift away from ownership, you know, yep. and you would think, you know, in the, in the, even particularly in the luxury space, ownership would reign supreme, right. right? And the fact that, you know, we are seeing even in the luxury space, this sort of diffusion of, of ownership um, and this shift towards even at a luxury level experience and, and community, um, I think is something that's really quite profound. And I'd yeah. love to get your take, you know, what, how, is this, how is this manifesting in some really brilliant ways? Right. Well, it's kind of interesting. You know, the great Australian dream or the great American dream was kind of owning your house yep. and owning your car in, in the driveway. And we're seeing shifts across the board. So in that context, but also in the luxury context. So, you know, we've seen it, we've seen it in, in the fashion space with, you know, more of these rent the runway type platforms. Mm. Where why do you need to own the $5,000 Dior dress when you can just rent it once or twice? Mm. Uh, a great example, which I know that you love, is what <laughs> Porsche and Porsche Passport are up to. So, you know, a Porsche customer is probably a 65-year-old male. What are the young, what is Gen Z doing and what's their relationship to Porsche? So Porsche have come out recently in tier two markets in the US as a test case to launch Porsche Passport, which is a subscription-based service mm. for people to gain access to their fleet of, of cars. Mm. So perhaps you and I might be driving the 911 Monday to Friday, mm. but when we want to head down to Threadbow on the weekend, we might, with, with our application, dial up and have the, the Cayenne in our driveway. So it's just transition from the flex is less mm. the ownership of, of the car but it's more the access and then what type of experiences that access allows for me my family and my peers a couple of really important phenomena i want to talk to um, in that example of porsche uh, the first is around the creation of community um, you know even in the luxury ecosystem right it's less about um you know elitism and isolation, right, uh, the one of one and much yep. more around being part of a, um, an elevated community. Um, and I know that this is something that you, you are heavily involved in. You know, I've had the, the pleasure of um, watching and being part of a number of communities that you've developed over the years. Um, and I get, I'd love to ask the same question that I did around experience. You yep. know, what's your perspective on the role or the growing role, um, you know, or the diminishing role uh, of community in the marketer's toolkit as you go and you build these brands and, you know, if you're aspiring to that brand religion yeah. status. Yeah. If we can agree that a brand experience activates the senses and creates more meaningful engagement with with brand and, and, and people who are present at the experiences, then the next question is, well, who are you sharing that with? And that sense of belonging is within within us all. Mm. It's a deep, deep primal feeling. So that sense of belonging is is what's activated or engaged when community is built. And you don't need to look too far when you find those brands that are community led. Like think of um, Reebok mm. and CrossFit. If you've ever met a CrossFit person, they are animals, and the community that they keep is 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 like their family. Yeah. So. And they have codes, they have they have rituals, they have outfits that you wear, and those brands that lead with community um, just seem to. Yeah, the, the brand permeates their lifestyle. Correct. Yeah. This is a great 
jump off point for us to to talk about the business of being well because fundamentally what Porsche or any brand that's selling a, a recurrent product is doing is shifting from the, the utilitarian value of the product itself and much more into the subjective benefits yep. that it delivers to you as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are few people that I know that walk the talk on the business of being well as much as you. Um, and I would love to talk about sabbatical travel, mm. uh, which is where you currently uh, are living and breathing and, you know, and, and I know a lot of your energy is going there. Um, so for those that might not know and who are listening in, uh, what is it? What is sabbatical travel? How did we get here? What is sabbatical travel and how did we get here? Beautiful. Um, I think most of us would, when you hear the word sabbatical, sabbatical travel, it's this idea that you work for 20, 30, 40 years, completely burnt out, and then you take your year off. We're trying to retrain that and re-educate because if you actually look at the word sabbatical, biblical reference, Sabbath, Mm. and what particular religion you're a part of, that's a Friday, that's a Sunday, that is an active weekly moment that one has to reflect Mm. and and be with family. So it is not this notion that you bust your butt for 30 years and then take time off. We're trying to make it more of an active an active um, role in your life. Mm. So then what is sabbatical travel? Uh, We partner with professionals, um, clients, and we are helping them on their transformational journey. So what we're really trying to do here is engage clients who are on a path to be the best versions of themselves. And we partner with Mother Nature as our canvas for this growth. So... We identify closer as a transformational business than we do a travel business. So we work with executives, we work with founders, we work with with people in all layers of business to really identify what on their hierarchy of needs, what is self-actualization, what does a life well-lived look like? Mm. Are you worthy of that life? And really get at people's core Mm. and allow them to share that with us and then we design experiences based on that to achieve their full transcend themselves. Mm. And we do that in... Australia, we do that in Africa, wherever it, wherever it takes our clients. Wherever it resonates most. I mean, I, I love the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone that I have spoken to, even in the preemption of this episode, has loved mm. the concept. So how did it come about, right? Was this, you know, is this just your trademark, uh, you know, preemption of the flood? No. Um, you know, is it just, you know, you trying to to take, you know, to take a, a category and, you know, altruistically, you know, make people's no. lives better? Is it both? It's a, it's a good question. Um, I guess it goes back to walking the walk. Um, you know, in the businesses that I've been involved with in the past, there was a white space, there was a business plan, there was strategy, and there was all that normal stuff. And mm. I still think that's all, all a worthy cause. This is not that. This, I, I went through a process myself, um, exiting a business in 2019 and took myself on my own sabbatical and just observed that there was no source of truth. There was no brand in the world that I could find that spoke to me that would deliver the quality and the excellence of these types of experiences to help me be the best version of myself, to be mm. the best dad that I want to be and what role do I have with my time left on this planet. Mm. So it was through just an observation and then going through my own 10-day um, meditation retreat that the this idea came through me. So this, there's this sense of this is, this is a calling mm. and I'm in service to this greater idea of bringing transformation to the world as there are many other products and services and books and podcasts that are, that are in the same space. Mm. Um, 
And I guess we're kind of bracketed underneath the overarching travel sector, which is great. And we've got corporate travel, we've got recreational travel, we've mm. got adventure travel, and now now we've got um, wellness travel is probably like a really popular um, segment that you guys cover all the time. Mm. I would say we're the next step in inward from from where wellness travel stops and then we kind of pick up and it's really tailored really personalized experiences on your path to be the best version of yourself this idea that we are on a path to be um the best version of ourselves mm. um we're one of the tools in the toolkit and, and if and if we're lucky enough to, to work with you mm. we just unlock mother nature's amazing healing powers um and that's our dance floor for transformation. Yeah, I love it. And I think it, it aligns, you know, beautifully to, to what we're seeing in wellbeing. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, you know, we've been we've had the, the pleasure of unpacking being well in a in a really deep and expansive way. And and we we're seeing this play out this year that not only is everybody, everybody on this journey of, of self-betterment, and I think, you know, the pandemic has acted as a lightning rod towards inward reflection yep. and outward effort towards, yep. you know the pursuit of X, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of nourishment, the pursuit of identity, whatever that might be. Um, and we see this play out even in the things that people can and can't live without. You know, last month we were talking about, you know, the essentials and what makes something essential and travel and well-being. I like that, Netflix. Yeah. Core essential. <laughs> the, uh, I relate. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think what you've, you know, what you've stumbled upon ironically is, is at the nexus of, I would say, all four of those tectonic shifts that we saw. Um, so I guess my, my provocation to you, Nick, would be, are we now all in the business of being well? doesn't matter what, you know, what your canvas is, what your industry is, what your sector is, fundamentally as a, you know, as a brand or as someone that is selling a service or a yep. product, you are in the business of someone's journey towards self-betterment. Yeah. I'd like to answer that in two ways. Um, Go for it. <laughs> we set out to kind of very much be a one-to-one -one service. Um, but as this is unfolding and as uh, the, the cultural context of, of Australia and the world is changing, we're now getting inquiries from, from leadership at, you know, big accounting firms, mm. um, uh, tech firms, and they're wanting to understand what does being well look like? Mm. How can we retain staff through wellness campaigns? How can performance be measured through activities that are out of office that help us deliver on our staff, um, bottom line, and our role in, in, in business. Mm. So it's been super interesting that these corporate businesses are rethinking what it is being well with their staff and with their output. Um, and then the fact that we have a role to play and, the, and that leaders of these business um, are championing um, wellness and mm. the business of being well is, is, is amazing. Part two of answering your question around is this a, a shift or I see it as an awakening. Mm. It is, I think, a shift towards- Of course you do. Of course. <laughs> of course you do. Because I think calling it a shift or calling it a trend, I think really underserves what is happening in the world. I think young people, all people, um, are reframing what it is to be selfish. Mm. I think- for a long time, that word had a negative connotation to it. But I think now um, you see it everywhere. You see aura rings, you see personalized um, vitamin subscriptions. It is all around the self and the personalization. And we're seeing across the board that this putting oneself in a really powerful way 
um, is, is the way we're moving forward. And mm. then wouldn't people then say that is being um, selfish and would we rather not act selfless? And we're like, no. You hear it every time you get on the plane, put your oxygen mask on first before you help others. So it's taking that same notion right through to the human experiences. Mm. Nick being the best version of myself, that could look like exercise, that could look like meditation, health diet, um, having clear boundaries mm. then allows me to fill up my cup and all that overflow is what my family, my colleagues and, and the universe get. So for me, it's not a shift. It is a, a an awakening on all levels that people are reclaiming agency over their lives, reclaiming agency over who they are and how they operate. And if you're not in the business of being well, I don't know what business you're in. I love that. And I, I love that you've got to fill up your cup and the world gets the overflow. Um, and I think, and you know, as you said, we see this uh, across every spectrum of psychology, mm -hmm. right? both consumer and otherwise, that you've got to, you've got to take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. um, all right. But you, but you did put it, you did challenge me last time we spoke to think of products or services that aren't in the business of being well. Mm. And I've, I haven't found one. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that I went that through. Holds true. I went through big pharma. Big. I went through everyone, and I just like everyone has a role to play and communicate to their customers around the business of being well. And what role does the umbrella company right through to the doctor? And it's yeah. I'm, well, I'm glad that I finally stumped you on something. We're getting towards the back end of what has been uh, an illuminating conversation, as always, with you, Nick. Um, and I'd like to get your perspective on a few things, what we call through the looking glass. Um, first question, how do you foresee brands uh, and the sort of the relationship with being well evolving this year? I think we've, we've heard a lot over the last couple of years about speaking with transparency. I think that is still, still valid, but I think that can evolve into speaking with a vulnerability. And business leaders, you're seeing it more and more in government, people leading with vulnerability and connecting on that level in addition to transparency mm. um, is a really scary place for a lot of brands yeah. to be. But it's also, um, again, it's, it's, it's meeting people, culture where they're at, and mm. we are open to receive vulnerability from, from businesses and, and brands and, and our leaders uh, in, in culture. So I would say that kind of doubling down on transparency and then even moving through uh, vulnerability. Um, and also going back to grassroots basics. So maybe dial down the the sales messaging and the performance messaging, particularly as, we, as we're going through um, maybe some tightening of the wallets, but really dialing up your brand comms and you're playing it for the long term. Hmm. So really doubling down on, yeah, those stories, those, those um, experiences, those ways to connect without your sales messaging. I love that. And I think that there's a, an interesting connective thread between what um, what you mentioned around vulnerability with brands and, and what James Leggett and I were discussing a couple of episodes ago around bravery in brands. And mm -hmm. I think it takes an incredible level of bravery for a brand to walk alongside someone vulnerable in their journey. Correct. Um, and I think that the connection and the, you know, the, the resonance and the salience that you can create as a brand in that circumstance is transcendent relative to, as you yep. mentioned, you know, sticking to utilitarian, you know, form and function messages. Right. I liked how you guys tapped on being brave is is being measured and making decisions with with information rather than just this different 
interpretation of being cavalier. So yeah. I, I like brave that is not bra- Brave is not bravado, as, uh, as James said. Um, okay, your three rules for sustainable growth uh, in this space for the coming year. I think we kind of touched on it a little bit before, but it's really meeting people where they're at. Mm-hmm. So particularly on this on the on the on the business of being well, we would be better served to meet our audience where they're at on the, on their journey, rather than showing people these big beautiful pictures of these transcended families or these transcended mm-hmm. bodies. So it's really having a bit of humility and vulnerability with with your messaging and connecting. Um, on a personalised level, which goes back to our, you know, one of our new luxury codes. It's this, instead of exclusive, exclusivity, it's around personalised communication and being quite considered of where you're at. It's around providence. Do what you say, say what you mean. Mm. And the final one would be go slow to go fast. So it's kind of pushing back on this hustle culture that we've kind of seen over the last couple of years. Um, you know, the Elon Musks of the world. I think that's kind of burning out, but it's really slowing down, looking inward. And I think we talked on this last time, the archer pulls back his bow to get the perfect game before he releases. So it's all that whole notion of just like looking inward first and then moving forward with, with action. Pull back slowly to launch forward fast. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, and I think a word on what this doesn't look like. I think we've just gone through greenwashing or perhaps we're still in the whole greenwashing movement. Mm. So this isn't slapping an organic logo on your your, your communications. It's mm. really, again, going back to Providence, it's mm. kind of do what you say, say what you mean and having um, accountability with, with your messaging. Um, and it's also we're human. So keep the humility front of mind, particularly as we're building community and we're building experience. Um, deliver your val- value proposition on that human one-to-one level. Mm. And I think the the risk is if you, you know, to your point, if if you don't toe that line of authenticity, um, the blowback can be catastrophic. You know, we're seeing this play out in a number of areas at the moment, aren't we? Oh, there's a great example. Um, hottest luxury fashion brand the last two years was Balenciaga. They went one step too far and they're just complete pushback and they have torched their brand equity um, and, you know, there's, there's many other case studies mm. where if you're not a, a authentic and meeting people where they're at, the blowback is, is horrendous. Do what you say, say what you mean. Mm-hmm. Nick, thank you, mate. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute delight uh, and I cannot wait mm. to see where sabbatical travel goes. Thank you. Uh, I look forward to being an active participant in a transformative journey. Amazing. Thank you. I'm humbled to be here. Cheers, mate.